There is one position for BYU football that I think they need the transfer portal for hardest, and it may not be the one you're thinking of. We're talking about that and answering your questions on a Mailbag Thursday. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you for being every day or to the thousands of you who tune in on a daily basis, wherever you're doing it, whether it's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Thank you all the same for all of your support of this venture. Diving right in on today's show, and we're going to talk about special teams. And I know that seems like a, a killer to talk about that right out of the gate, but it goes with the team. I open today's show with because I truly believe there is one position BYU above all others in my personal opinion needs to address via the transfer portal during this spring slash summer period and it goes to the special teams unit now wide receiver we talked about those of you who listened to yesterday's show we talked about the need for wide receivers for BYU to find them in the transfer portal and I've got no doubt that Fessy Satake as well as Aaron Roderick Kalani Satake and the group will do their due diligence on that front they understand they need to bring in some depth pieces at the very minimum for that wide receiving core. But the position I am most concerned with, and this goes to my point, I, I've talked about this often throughout this offseason so far, that I think that the goal for BYU this season should be simply to get to 6-6. Six and six. Get to bowl eligibility your first year here in the Big 12, and I think that is a fantastic achievement year one of their Power 5 uh, era for the BYU football program, for year one of the Big 12 era for this BYU football program. Now, there is one critical element in the special teams unit I think that could play a role in BYU's chances of getting to that level, and you probably already guessed it, but it comes to the kicking game. Now, throughout spring camp, we had an opportunity to watch about 10 of the 15 practices, if my math is correct, as a media core. And in those 10 to 15 practices, we watched about 20 to 30 minutes any given time. So that adds up to, what, uh, six hours or so, or even less than that, maybe five hours roughly of total uh, practice that we got to see as a media core. But in talking with people around the BYU football program, the kicking game was just not good, and I saw it with my own eyes. Day one of BYU spring ball, they brought out all three kickers who were contending for time, and at the time we didn't necessarily know who Matthias Dunn was, the walk-on from Wasatch High School, but they brought out Will Farron. They trotted out Justin Smith. Now, Justin Smith had filled in at times over the past two seasons for Jake Oldroyd when his back injury flared up. Uh, the back injuries, I should, I should say, that flared up during his time as a Cougar, and he seemed to do an okay job. But from day one, the kicking game was a massive concern. That first day, we were seeing uh, kicks that were barely getting off the ground. Every single one of them that we saw as media core day one of BYU spring ball missed. And as camp progressed, Matthias Dunn made the team via a tryout day one uh, of BYU spring ball. He came in the following couple of practices wearing the number 97, and people kept looking at, who is this kid? He wasn't on the roster, and I had to ask around, dig around a little bit, and found out his name was Matthias Dunn. Now, the background on Dunn, for those of you who may be checking us out for the 
the very first time, is he is a walk-on from Wasatch High School. He originally committed to BYU out of high school before going on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, came back off of a mission and tried out for the team last spring and was cut by Ed Lamb, who was then the special teams coordinator for BYU. He uh, bided his time, went to school at BYU, etc., then came back out this spring and walked on. And I got to say, if BYU were to play Sam Houston State tomorrow, Matthias Dunn would be your starting kicker. I've got no reservations in saying that. He was by far the best kicker in spring camp. But that that does not mean that he is the answer that BYU needs and or wants at that position. Now, Kelly Papinga, who is now the special teams coordinator for BYU, has talked that BYU will look at options in the transfer portal. And I truly believe they need to hit the transfer portal. Looking at the on three transfer portal as well as 24-7 transfer portal uh their, their projections and the, the guys they have listed there, there's not a ton of kickers in the transfer portal, and nor should there be. A lot of these guys, when they when you have a good kicker, you're not going to give them up as a college football program, but there are some guys who've decided to exit their programs, and BYU should be kicking the tires on every single one of them. If you have to spend a scholarship, one of those really, really needed things that you obviously are trying to upgrade the defense, partially also trying to upgrade on offense, but if you have to throw a scholarship offer at a guy that you feel like can be a difference maker in the kicking game right now for BYU, I would say unequivocally they need to make it happen. The the kicking position was atrocious, frankly, throughout what I saw in spring camp. Now, Kalani Satake tried to put lipstick on the pig and say that, well, when you guys weren't here, they were better at that. And I heard from people, our practice insiders that we have talked to, they mentioned that from time to time the kicks would get better. And they said Matthias Dunn was far and away the most consistent and most reliable, but that does not mean that on any given day he was not a, a poor kicker. Justin Smith, Will Farron, who BYU brought in from Boise State with the thought that he may be able to up his opportunities to participate more at BYU versus what he was doing at Boise State as a kickoff specialist. Well, based on what I saw and, like I said, what I've heard, it does not look like those guys are going to be the guy for BYU at kicker. And that goes back to my point. You need to have a kicker. There are going to be some games where BYU is going to be in the thick of it, and they're going to need potentially a big kick down the stretch of a game to put that kicker out there on the field and say, hey, we need these three points. And you have to be able to rely on that. The nice part BYU had over the last three, four years was having Jake Oldroyd out there. Jake Oldroyd, by and large, when you needed a big kick, more often than not, he delivered. Now, he did have his struggles, but but trust me, right now, if you were to say that Jake Oldroyd could come back to BYU and play for another season, I would take it in a heartbeat. And I think the BYU staff would also take that in a heartbeat. They need a reliable kicking game because this is going to, I think, affect their opportunity to get to a bowl game and maybe even win a couple of games beyond that. You need to have the ability, when called upon, to get those three points. And right now, I do not feel confident that BYU has a guy that I would say that's an automatic three points when they get out there on the field. So... If you've got to, get out in the transfer portal, look around. One guy that stood out to me kind of looking at different options in the transfer portal, uh, this is just me uh, projecting because I have not had uh, much conversation with anybody really when it comes to options for BYU in the transfer portal for kicker. But one that popped out to me, and I saw them pop into the transfer portal, uh, the news just the other day, is a guy named Owen Daffer. He's from East Carolina University. He's a guy that I, if I were uh, Kelly Papinga, I'd look at, kick the tires on. He's a former All-American athlete. 
Athletic Conference kicker in 2021. He lost his job last season due to some inconsistency for ECU. They actually had another kicker that actually helped beat BYU, if you recall, last season. But Owen Daffer, he has got a career percentage of 80% on his field goals. Like I said, he's a former all-conference kicker for East Carolina. You could do a lot worse than kicking the tires on him and seeing what opportunities may lie there for him. Uh, looking at his social media, he has a preferred walk-on offer apparently from Old Dominion as well as some offers from FCS schools to have a scholarship there. Maybe BYU makes a phone call like that and sees what they can find, but I really think the kicking game, I know this is like, in some ways, the metrics on my podcast when I talk special teams out of the gate, they absolutely kill my numbers, but bear with me because I really think if BYU wants to get to a bowl game and have a quote-unquote successful season, what I term a successful season, getting to 6-6 six and six or just beyond that potentially this season for BYU, it's to have a reliable kicking game, and right now I just don't think that BYU has that. Could Matthias Dunn be the guy that BYU finds uh, seemingly in the weeds and he comes out of nowhere and becomes the star kicker for BYU? Yes, there is that opportunity, but right now, can you really rely on that? That's the question I would pose to BYU's coaches. Now, in regards to other special teams uh, for BYU coming out of spring balls, we go through these position group debriefings, as I'm calling them. I really feel like the punting game is going to be very, very solid. Now, uh, Ryan Rico is back for another season. He's got an absolute cannon uh, for that right leg. He's actually able to boom it at any point in a game. He's got the career-long punt for BYU in a game, if I recall correctly. He's just he's he's a phenomenal punter. Now, I think that is going to hold down just fine. I think he'll be just fine in that regard. At returner, I think there will be no shortage of options for BYU. I think Hobbs Nyberg figures to reprise his role as BYU's punt returner. He's been solid, if not unspectacular, during his time as punt returner for BYU. I got to say, I was was a hater, I guess you could call me, early on when he was BYU's punt returner in his first uh, foray into that position. I just felt like he wasn't offering much, but he's gotten better and better as time has gone along, and I'm, I'm starting to believe a little bit more that Hobbs Nyberg could be a guy that BYU really relies upon. The one thing you can always count upon, it feels like with Hobbs, is he's sure-handed. He may not break it for a touchdown, or may not get these big returns that you're looking for in the punt game, but he is sure-handed, and he is not going to muff a punt. Now, I'm not trying to to jinx him or anything like that, but I think he reprises his role just fine there. And then at kick returner, I think there's a bevy of options. Koa Eldridge, Parker Kingston, I think guys like Hinkley Ropati could be in the mix there. Hobbs Nyberg, obviously, could be an option at kick returner. BYU brought in Caleb Christensen from Skyview High School up there in the Logan area because he owns the Utah High School record for career kick returns for a touchdown. He has been a non-factor, frankly, for his time. He was uh, hyped up to be this guy who could be a difference maker in the return game for BYU. Maybe he, under a new coach, could regain some of that form under Kelly Papinga. We'll see, but Really, outside of the kicking position, I feel like BYU special teams should be fairly strong this year. I'm, I'm not concerned outside of that kicking position. I think long snapper's pretty set with uh, both the Riggs brothers there to uh, to hold the fort down there. But the biggest thing, and it, it, I think it might be the most critical position in special teams, is that kicking position. If BYU does not have a difference maker at kicker, I think it could be the difference between potentially maybe like a four and eight or a six and six season, even maybe six and six and eight and four. If you need some game-winning kicks, you need to have that reliable kicker that when you know that it's you've got the full field to work with, you're down one or two points, you're down three, and you want to get it to overtime, you know you need to get be able to get to a spot on the field, tell your offense, hey, we need you to get to 
say the 35 yard line and we got it. We've we've got the points we need in our pocket because we have a kicker we can throw out there. Right now, if if it were me uh, in Kelly Papinga's shoes, I'm not 100% certain that I would have the faith that any one of the guys on my roster right now is that guy, but I think they need to absolutely mine the transfer portal for all options out there. Now, a couple other quick notes on the transfer portal before we transition and talk about your guys' questions, answer as many as we can in the remaining time here on today's show. Uh, Some big news popped up from a local uh, transfer, a guy that BYU, I think, should absolutely go after, and that's Harrison Taggart from Corner Canyon High School, linebacker, a former four-star prospect. BYU did not really recruit him in the uh, process when he was coming out of high school. He went to Oregon over a bevy of other options out in the Pac-12. He had uh, offers seemingly nationwide. He picked Oregon, but he has entered the transfer portal with four years of eligibility remaining. He saw action in three games this past year, just really spot duty for the Ducks, but he is looking for a new opportunity. And if I'm BYU, I don't know why the previous staff did not recruit him all that heavily. If I recall, I don't think BYU you ever formally offered him, but you could do a lot worse than bringing in a guy like Harrison Taggart to BYU's defense. He is an elite athlete. I had an opportunity to cover a couple of his high school games when he was playing for the Chargers up there at Corner Canyon High, and I was very, very impressed with his skill set. There's a reason why so many people were so high on his skills. Can Jay Hill get BYU into the mix here? Can a guy like Justin Enna go and sell a guy like Harrison Taggart on coming to BYU? He's got guys from the Corner Canyon program who are at BYU, will be at BYU, BYU or might be coming into BYU. Guys like Owen Borg. I already saw Owen who's going to come to BYU after his own mission, uh, tweet, hey, maybe run it back, speaking of potentially joining up at BYU. Wouldn't surprise me if the Hagen brothers, Cody and Cole, potentially make their pitch to a guy like Harrison Taggart. BYU should chase a guy like that and get any and all opportunities they can to get FaceTime with this young man because I think he would be a phenomenal addition, a building block for BYU's defense, kind of the new idea of what they're going to do with their defense. I think Harrison Taggart would be like tailor-made for what Jay Hill's trying to do with his linebacking core, but we'll see what happens. I don't know what the relationship was previously with BYU versus what it is now. Maybe it's something that BYU just, you know what, he expressed zero interest in BYU and they decided, you know what, we're not going to waste our time here. But I would imagine that BYU would absolutely chase a guy like Harrison Taggart out there and they absolutely should get into the mix. So, there you go. Uh, some thoughts on the special teams. Uh, I guess I'm kind of down on the special teams just simply due to the fact that I think the kicking game is an absolutely just weak. It's an absolute weakness for BYU right now. But there's options to go out there in the transfer portal. And there's still a few more days for guys to enter the portal. And I'm sure BYU will continue to evaluate all options as it comes throughout this upcoming offseason leading up to training camp beginning in early August. All right, coming up here in just a moment, we'll flip over. Your guys' time to shine on the show as we do weekly here on the Thursday edition of the show. It is the mail bag. We dive in, answer all the questions that you have thrown in, and we'll get to all of those as we continue on right here on Locked On Cougars. First word on our friends over at Built Bar, though. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories that come with your typical snacks, you guys need to try the best tasting protein bar ever built. And I'm serious about this. They are the best tasting protein bars. I can attest to it. I have enjoyed them for years now. I keep a regular uh, rotation of, I think, three or four flavors on hand at my house at all times, and I love these Built Bars. The best part about it is 
They have unbelievable flavors. They can fit any flavor profile it feels like out there. I just most recently ordered both the cookie dough flavor as well as the grasshopper cookie. I'm a big fan of the orange flavor. Uh, They've had a snickerdoodle flavor in the past as well. Let's put it this way. Essentially, every Built Bar I've had, I have enjoyed. So if you guys want to enjoy the best tasting protein bars, get to Built.com. Place your order there. But if you don't want on a wait for shipping, etc., you can go to your local Smith's and or Sam's Club today and pick them up right now. They have four bar packs available right now at your local Smith's or a 13 bar bulk package, as you would imagine, at Sam's Club. Both available now with a myriad of different flavors. I would stop by and pick those up today. But if you go to Built.com, you can use the promo code LOCKEDON15 for 15% off your order. Heard that right. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5 for 15% off your order. Get enjoying the best tasting protein bars and do it with our friends at Built Bar. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today, my friends. Every day is tomorrow on the show. We are going to talk BYU defensive backs, cornerbacks, and safeties. I have a great interview I did with both Jacob Robinson as well as Malik Moore. Some very frank thoughts on how the new defensive scheme uh, factors into their skill sets, what they like about it, what they thought of last year's defense, and how it compares. We'll have that for you guys on tomorrow's podcast, so stay tuned for that. And make sure uh, all of you that may not be that already, be in every day. Be with us every single day. And check out the podcast. That way you can stay up to date on all things BYU. All right, diving right into the mailbag on today's show. Let's talk about what you guys want to talk about. First question comes from our good friend Chris Okawa, who asked in the YouTube comments, I don't think I've ever heard a word about Raider Dabuni. Is he still working off mission rust? I just wanted to know if he was injured or just slow returning from his mission and the rust of that. He was a four-star prospect and his friend, speaking of Logan Fano, transferred to Utah. So is he at risk of leaving? Now, Chris, there was obviously conversations about this when he was coming home off of his mission but he is locked in with BYU. Raider is the son of Jack Tamuni, who is on staff at BYU, and he has been a guy that, during spring ball, there were every so often that he would flash. And I probably should have mentioned him a few more times than I did. I think I actually mentioned him zero times, frankly, so that's probably on me. But he has shown things. But the biggest thing is, yes, mission rust is there. When you take two years off, any of you who served a mission, no matter even if you were a Division One athlete or not, because I definitely was not, but I was not the same... Uh, athlete, quote-unquote, when I got home from my mission versus what I was when I left. And I think it's the same thing going here for Raider. I think he may uh, end up as a backup this year for BYU, but beyond that, he's got all the time in the world to become a fantastic safety for BYU. And I expect that he will become a starter in pretty short order for BYU, potentially as soon as uh, next year. So 2024, I think he could take over for a guy like Malik Moore. Maybe he even beats out somebody and and starts this year. He is that good of an athlete, but it's just all going to depend on how quick Quickly, he can buck that uh, mission rust, and obviously we'll see what happened on that front. All right, David asked this via email. 
Jake, are season tickets truly sold out, or is BYU holding some in reserve to release later? Now, I got personal experience with this one, Dave. Let's answer the question for you. So I actually reached out to the BYU ticket office because a couple years ago, uh, some of you probably remember, I bought a pair of season tickets to give away to Locked On Cougars listeners. Now, I was going to do the same thing this year. I I reached out, was talking with them, and there are quote-unquote season tickets available, but for a price. Let me explain. When I reached out, I expressed I had some interest in season tickets for BYU. I got a text, I believe if I recall correctly, it was the original way they reached out to me. It said, hey, Jake, we got your uh, request. Uh, what are you looking for? I said, hey, I'm looking for a pair of seats in the end zone. Are they truly all sold out? They said that right now, yes, they are all sold out. The Cougar Club has sold out the allotment of season tickets we have. But then they added this caveat. But if you were willing to join the Cougar Club and be a gold-level member, we have tickets we can give you for season tickets. I said, let me think about it, and I haven't necessarily decided which way I'm going to go. I'm still not necessarily too keen on having to being forced to join the Cougar Club because the gold membership, if I recall, is something like $1,200 annually, a contribution, plus you have to buy the tickets beyond that. So if you do want to get season tickets, apparently there is a way to do it, and you have to be a gold-level Cougar Club member because I... I experienced it for myself. TBD, if I ultimately decide to pull the trigger on that, if you guys do have uh, season tickets in the end zone in particular for a pretty uh, decent price that you're willing to part with, I'd love to talk to you. A couple of you have reached out uh, with opportunities, and I, I appreciate that. And kind of looking at all options, and we'll see what happens. But If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But there are apparently some season tickets still available, my friends. You just have to have... Uh, be able to uh, pay a price, uh, quote-unquote, to be a part of the Cougar Club to get them. All right, next one. Provo Cougar fan on YouTube asks, what do you think of all the transfers out of Colorado? He says 68 of 84 as of the writing of this question, and the latest I've heard is that 16 of their original 84 members of uh, scholarship players from the 2022 opening day roster remain at Colorado. Uh, Coach Prime, speaking of Deion Sanders, he has overturned this roster to a level that we have never seen, and this is part of the unintended consequences of opening up the transfer portal. They were given the opportunity to obviously let guys go into the transfer portal whenever they wanted to, and they also got rid of the NCAA's initial 25 counter, which was you could only bring in 25 scholarship players in any given year. They got rid of that. It's going to be gone for at least the next two years as they evaluate the impact on rosters in college football. So all Coach Prime is really doing is taking advantage of the opportunity he has to overturn this roster. Now let me also acknowledge, Colorado was 1-11 a year ago, my friends. They were not good. So I don't... I don't understand all the hate for Deion Sanders. Well, he's ruining college football. No, he's not. He's just taking advantage of the situation that has been afforded to him as a head coach. He understands that this roster, speaking at Colorado, needs an influx of talent. BYU needs an influx of talent. And he's just doing it to the most extreme example that we've ever seen. And he's actually speaking out about it. He's not He's not hiding the fact that he's essentially cut his entire roster. And I... I you can think of it how you will, but I just think he's taking advantage of the opportunity and he understands that if he wants to accomplish what he hopes to accomplish with the Buffaloes, he needs more talent in that program and he's doing it to a, an extreme level, but he is overturning that roster and I wouldn't be surprised to see him bring in some pretty high-level players. He already has, but continue to expect to see more guys uh, coming into that program who are pretty decent players from the transfer portal. He's got that much pull, it feels like, in the transfer portal realm. All right, next one. Outside view, uh, he says there needs to be uh, there needs to be a date during the year when players can't transfer to other schools. Other restrictions need to be made on the transfer portal. Now I respect what you're saying, outside view, but my, my my biggest thing with that is this is part of what college football players, us as fans, media, etc., all 
chimed in on. We wanted to see players have the freedom to move just like their head coaches are. There are There is the law of unintended consequences, and we are seeing that come to play, especially with NIL and the transfer portal. It's just simply how things are going to go. So, yes, you can think that you need to uh, have a deadline for that. Uh, the way I understand it, if you want to be eligible to play for a program, if I'm not mistaken, the rules still exist. They need to be enrolled in your school by early July. July 1st, I think, is actually the deadline if they want to play in the upcoming season. So there is a little bit of that hard and fast deadline, but I think you're looking for more of something What you're, from my perception of your question outside view, where you want to see it maybe by the end of January, February, before spring ball uh, comes. But hey, the way it is right now, this is the law of unintended consequences that we are living right now. Another one related to NIL here. Rich uh, asked via email, I am sad and disappointed to hear of Lauren Gusting looking to transfer when she was set, when she said originally she was planning to come back to BYU. It says NIL is causing athletes to bail on their programs. Now, Rich, like I said, it's the, it's the thing. Athletes are given the opportunity to go out and find the best opportunity for them. Uh, and reading some of the stories around the Lauren Gustin situation, a big uh, tip of the cap to Sean Walker, who recapped a lot of what uh, was said by Coach Amber Whiting on BYU Sports Nation. It doesn't mean that Lauren Gustin is gone. She's just looking around at her options. She also told Dave McCann that she's just looking around, seeing what is available to her. She, uh, she followed a number of Power 5 coaches, Utah's among them, uh, as she, uh, on social media as people attract this. It doesn't mean that BYU's lost Lauren Lauren Gustin, but she has earned the right. Dave McCann wrote this. She has earned the right to go out and see what she can secure for herself. Could BYU's NIL opportunities outweigh the rest of them? Absolutely. And she could return and make another assault on the record books for BYU, especially in the rebounding game. But I I don't fault Lauren Gustin on this. You can, you can think that she's bailing on her program. She has not said that she is gone quite yet. She very well may leave the program. She very well may do that. But she has not left quite yet. And it's just, it, it, once again, it is her taking advantage of the opportunity afforded to her as a student athlete. I think the student athlete term needs to be retired. They're just athletes now. This is semi-pro, if not straight out uh, minor league professional sports that these athletes are participating in. All right. On to the next one. Curtis Bracken. I think uh, it's, it's Curtis, but B-R-C-K-N. I'm, I'm guessing Bracken, Brecken, Curtis. Uh, you can probably fill me in on that. On Twitter said, I asked, uh, when with all these Colorado players in the portal, how good of a shot does BYU have of picking up any? Uh, I don't know on that. I Obviously, I think BYU, they've already reported. Montanius, uh, Montana Lamonius Craig announced that BYU has offered him he says, do you have any info if any would want to play for BYU? I don't. Like you said, you already mentioned uh, Montana, but he has an assortment of Power 5 offers. We know BYU needs a wide receiver, but do any of these Colorado players want, uh, could be and would want to be BYU guys? If the price is right, honestly, if NIL and the opportunity to play the way that these guys want to in the transfer portal, it may be the option uh, that BYU goes after them, but we'll see what happens. I, I, I don't have any intel, Curtis, frankly, outside of the report from Montana Lamonius Craig that he has an offer from BYU, and I don't, I'm not surprised that BYU has offered him. They recruited him in high school. He was their leading receiver a year ago, and he showed out on national television in that spring game. Now, he's like I said, he's got a number of opportunities out there when it comes to other Power 5 offers, and we'll see what happens on that front but all you can do is uh, see what see what interest you have and obviously evaluate the film if you're Fessy Satake and we'll see ultimately what BYU lands but don't fret to don't fret about uh, the the transfer portal quite yet my friends there's one other question Curtis also asked this it's my understanding that the transfer portal window closes at the end of this week on Sunday yes April 30th it does close this may be wrong but please correct me does it mean that nobody will be allowed to transfer at the end of that window or does it mean that no players in the portal can sign with a new team after the window closes I guess what I'm at trying to ask can BYU still sign players in the portal once the window is closed? To answer your first question, 
players can only enter the portal as late as this Sunday, or else they will have to wait until the end of the upcoming season, barring them being a graduate transfer. That is the only out you have to transfer at any point is to be a grad transfer. To your other point, BYU can continue to recruit these players as long as they want. Uh, That's the thing about this. The players only have to be in the portal before Sunday. BYU can recruit and or sign them at any point. They do not have to have all their work in the portal done by this Sunday. I talked about this on yesterday's show. I'm reiterating it today for those of you who may be checking us out that BYU will continue to monitor all options in the transfer portal but they do not, let me repeat, they do not have to have them signed by this Sunday. They can let it play out for a week or two uh, if not longer than that to find the right guys and I imagine that BYU will do that. I honestly think that BYU will slow play this a little bit and eventually evaluate all options before narrowing in on who their targets ultimately will be. Do they run the risk of, of guys picking very quickly to go to another program they may have liked to have had? Absolutely, you run that risk. But BYU is a little different. We all know this. BYU, you have to abide by the honor code. You have to fit in academically, culturally. You have to understand what you're getting into at BYU. And BYU needs some time to vet these options before they dive in and go after all of them. So hopefully that answers your questions, Curtis. All right, uh, we are getting to the end here. So a couple more questions. Maury Alvarez says, have you given any thought as to who uh, you ha- will have this season, like Clark Barrington, on your podcast in terms uh, of your weekly guests? I have given it some thought, Maury. I am working on some options, but if you guys have athletes at BYU, football most particularly, but potentially basketball, etc., that you think I should approach, and I do it as an NIL deal. I give them an opportunity to make some money to come on this podcast. It's not a ton of money, but it is money all the same. If you have an athlete, a football player, in particular you would like me to see about potentially uh, partnering with this upcoming football season, I'm all ears. I have a a short list of guys that I think would be elite uh, guys or elite guys, I think would be fantastic interviews that I am going to approach that are just on my list right now. We'll see who ultimately takes me up on the opportunity, but if you have options for me, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Reach out via social media. I'm at Jacob C. Hatch or Locked On Cougars on Twitter. Facebook and Instagram, you can search out Locked On Cougars. I'm also Jake Hatch Zone on Instagram. Instagram or email the show locked on BYU at gmail.com is the email address. All right. A final question here. I let's see Landon Sorensen. I'm not sure if you can answer this, but how do sources get their info? I always picture them hiding in trees with binocular spying on the teams. Now I can tell you this much Landon BYU actually employs a group of people. There's a security team for lack of a better term that patrols around the BYU football practice fields. Uh, and they see people. I see them with my own eyes. People will kind of sneak up to the fence, trying to glance through the trees there and get a, a get some thought get some uh, eyeballs on BYU football. Those people that I the security team are hired to chase them away. So how do sources get their info? Either they're allowed to go into practice and they're good enough uh, people that I know they're willing to feed me information, or they just happen to know somebody on the team. Those are really kind of the two ways uh, information comes out of the program these days. It's kind of funny that way. Uh, that's about as much as I'm willing to say on that front. But I do see from time to time. I saw a couple years ago, there was a guy if you guys know where the BYU practice fields are at, uh, he had a, a jacked up truck. We're talking like it had the lift on it, and he had a camper shell on top of it. And he parked in the very first row of the of the west parking lot. That I call it the RB parking lot, the Richards Building parking lot. A lot of students parked there. But I vividly remember I pulled up to go into media availability, and there was a guy. I think it was his son, if I recall correctly. It was a younger uh, kid with him, and they were standing on top of that camper shell on that lifted truck, looking into BYU football practice. 
practice. Now, I don't know how much of practice they watched. I don't know if the BYU security team, as I already mentioned, came over and told them to knock it off, but that happens from time to time. I've seen it multiple times. That was the most notable one, that they had parked their truck strategically and were on top of this lifted truck on top of a camper shell uh, trying to get a glimpse of BYU football. I respect the hustle. Honestly, I do respect the hustle. And if, if you guys have insights on BYU football you'd like to share, you can be an anonymous source too. Just reach out to me. I'd love nothing more than to talk to you about BYU sports. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll flip over, talk about some of the other notes out there in BYU sports. Uh, congratu- uh, uh, congratulations is in order to one BYU golfer, as well as another option for BYU basketball in the transfer portal that Robbie McCombs is reporting on. We'll get to all of that here momentarily. First, a word on our friends over at Perry Homes. Whether you're looking for your first home, you're ready to upgrade to your dream home. Perry Homes has a house for you, my friends, for 50 years. Perry Homes has been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state. they got communities, home, excuse me, multiple communities, home designs, and price points to help meet your needs. they got beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties, as well as multiple communities in Washington County near St. George if you want to go enjoy the Red Rock in southern Utah. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes to fit your needs, my friends. They have quick moving homes available if you're ready to make the move right now as well. And they're also offering generous financing incentives through their preferred lender if you want to get started on that front as well. So visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars part of your routine, my friends. Cannot thank you guys enough for being an everydayer here on the podcast. The goal here simply is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans. I, I'm, I, I say that all the time on this show, but it's my goal here that you guys come out of this podcast thinking, man, I learned something today. And that that's what I am, that's what I endeavored to do when it comes to BYU sports. So uh, final couple of notes before we go on today's show, just real quick. Uh, congratulations are in order to BYU All-West Coast Conference golfer Alicia May Mateo. She was selected to compete at the NCAA San Antonio Regional event on May 8th through the 10th or coming up in a couple of weeks. It's her third such invitation for the past three years for BYU Women's Golf. Unfortunately, BYU Women's Golf as a team could not make it to the West Coast, uh, could not make it to the NCAA Regional as a team, but Alicia May Mateo will give be given her opportunity if she shows well enough at that regional to make it to the NCAA championships. When she's on her game, I, I think she's absolutely capable of making it to the NCAA championships. So we'll be rooting on Alicia as she heads to that NCAA regional in San Antonio. And also, just a quick update, Dominic Harris will reportedly visit BYU in the next week or so, per a report from Robbie McCombs and Vanquish the Foe. Uh, former Gonzaga guard who spent three years with the Bulldogs, a former top 75 recruit, has seen uh, kind of his career has just not panned out the way that I think he would envision it was. Like you say, he's a top 75 recruit, uh, four-star athlete, but he just hasn't played a ton during his time at Gonzaga. Uh, he actually tagged the tweet from Robbie McCombs uh, saying, see you soon, Provo. So he is intent on visiting BYU. Does that mean that BYU has an opportunity to bring him in? We'll see. They list him at six foot four, 190 pounds, so he's got good size for a guard. I think he would be a welcome pickup for BYU. Is he the scorer that BYU potentially is looking for in the transfer portal? Eh, okay, I may be a little bit questionable on that, but maybe the sample size and his opportunities have held him back from really showing that. We'll see, but uh, keep an eye on that. He reportedly will be visiting BYU in the next week or so, and once again, Robbie McCombs with a great scoop, and I, I got to give him props. If you do not check out Vanquish the Foe and what Robbie's doing with regards to the transfer portal for BYU basketball, I would highly, highly encourage you guys to check out his work. I think he does a great job, and uh, I've said this before. We're continuing to effort to find a, a convenient time for both of us to sit down and have him 
on this podcast to talk about all of this for BYU basketball. So there you go. You're up to speed. Uh, I think I've covered everything I have on today's show. I am recording this a little bit earlier than I typically do. I had to record it on a Wednesday afternoon. So if you have, if I have, if I did not get to your question that you submitted via social media, etc., uh, just understand that I, I I pulled all the questions I had at time of recording. If there are other ones that come in after I record and uh, post this podcast, I'll address those as soon as possible, probably on our Friday edition. But remember, we're going to talk BYU defensive backs tomorrow, corners, safeties, and an exclusive conversation with both Jacob. Uh, Jacob Robinson, as well as Malik Moore coming your way for all of you every day. So make sure you join us tomorrow on the podcast. Hope you guys are all doing fantastic out there in Cougar Nation. Cannot thank you guys enough for your continued support of the show. And thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Enjoy the rest of your day, whatever is left of it, my friends. And we will talk to you guys again tomorrow. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.